I am married to an English literature PhD, which is oh so fun for me. And as a result, I get compulsive about correcting people at Halloween when they point to a Frankenstein costume or decoration. Frankenstein, the protagonist, antagonist, main character of Mary Shelley's horror story is the doctor, not the creature. And yet, if you know the story, uh, you probably, probably similarly smile at my opening quote, knowledge is knowing that Frankenstein is not the monster. Wisdom is knowing that Frankenstein is the monster. So with the papers we just heard from and the others presented this weekend, I've been thinking a lot about memory, knowledge, and how wisdom enters into this conversation. At various times today, we've skirted the topic of ethics, and it's very much the area I, I see as overlap between the two projects from Dr. Anderson and Dr. Olshoffer. Dr. Olshoffer, you wrote um, at one point that the Hebrew Bible and its theology of Zachor. Um, and Christians, as Christians, we too have a second mandate of Zachor, this imperative to remember. Uh, Do this in remembrance of me has been swirling around in my head throughout reading and rereading your paper. Remembering, picking up again and encountering the body and blood of Jesus Christ is part of what we do and share at the Lord's table. Would we call that a denkma? I don't know, this memorial or monument. Communion is an act that is at once tied to the past, the present, and open to the future. I love the way that you play with remembrance as something which is, and I'm quoting you, not only related to the past, but is important because it relates to hope and opens up to the future. Something not neutral, but open to possibility and toward the future. Using the Codex Cincinnatus, you, as your case study, I particularly took to where you bring compassion into the work. You reference the philosopher Avishai Margalit, uh, and you write, for Margalit, it is compassion that becomes a criterion for why, we, why remembrance should take place at all, and that he similarly relates compassion as a motivation and moral for, for remembrance. Dr. Anderson, you present a possi possible new hermeneutic of suspicion, one that grapples with the good and the bad, the potential for benefit or terror, I like that, the potential for order or chaos, not that chaos is synonymous with bad, or that all semester, um, around deep fake technology. Uh, I was thinking of your work and particularly your illustration of sermon editing when we all shared what I felt was a unique sacred event in watching Sarah's video this morning. Uh, both your paper and her video challenged my existing bias that we cannot well capture and digitize something that is spirit-led, spirit-created, um, an event like a sermon or um, a testimony. Were we in an in-between space this morning? Can such a space be edited? Can it be manufactured by AI? Uh, you too close by pointing us to an ethical value, empathy. You write, what is crucial in the distinction between intentional experience of the physical presence of the other and the empathetic, empathetic perception of the spiritual eye of the other? For this distinction allows us to imagine exercising empathy to perceive a spiritual other with a completely different surface from our own. So empathy and compassion. Uh, as a youth minister, I think about these ethical virtues as a pastor and a pastor's role in teaching, implementing, imparting, modeling these values to young people, especially as they engage so fully their lives online. And so I bring questions. Um, in, in, in addition to the ones I've already rattled off, I'm curious, do these technologies make us knowledgeable or wise? Can they make us wise? How are we to orient ourselves as ethical Christians seeking to employ empathy and compassion in these in-between spaces? And finally, can we build an ethic of the digital that would, and would it necessarily include empathy and compassion? What else 
would wisdom be involved? So I launch it to the room. Thank you. <laughs>